Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You will be listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. That is, you will be listening to the show on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. Uh, But first, as always, we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and we're going to just jump right on in into tonight's topics. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, uh, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and as always, I have so much to talk about. So I want to keep the focus on the municipal elections in Boston. Well, not just in Boston, uh, you know, throughout, you know, the Commonwealth, uh, there are going to be uh, municipal elections, uh, town council uh, a town meeting, I should say, so town meeting uh, or our city council meeting, um, elections rather, uh, just in different municipalities around the Commonwealth. And it's very, very important for people to be plugged in. I think that often uh, people, they like to talk about what's going on on federal level. So they'll weigh in, although they'll do their best to talk about what's going on uh, in D.C., what the president's doing, what Congress is doing, or should I say what the president isn't doing and what the Congress isn't doing. Um, but that's really uh, kind of where it begins and ends for a lot of people. They will come out often if they do come out for a presidential election. But for municipal elections, they don't often treat it with the same importance. Now, obviously, the presidential election, we're talking about hiring the person uh, who's going to occupy the highest public office in the land. So that's obviously something... um, that's quite significant, right? But my point in juxtaposing the presidential election with uh, people who are running to be members of, uh, what is it, the town meetings, uh, people who are running to be members of uh, the city council. The reason why I am comparing these two is because If you don't understand what's going on around you, if you don't understand what's going on on a local level, it's really kind of difficult then to justify why you think you would have anything to say about what's going on in federal level. And that may seem like a rather harsh thing to say, but I think I'm at the point now where I don't want to intentionally be offensive. I don't want to 
be tactless. I think conducting oneself with diplomacy as often as possible is paramount. Having said that, I have gone, I have, I've gotten, I've become, I've grown quite weary of people who want to talk about Joe Biden and they don't even know who their state representative is or state senator. And of course, that's on state level, um, but they don't necessarily know all the members of the city council, like, say, here in Boston. Um, and, and I just, I have a problem with that because when you reach out to one of your representatives, one of your elected voices, it's going to be, more often than not, you're going to be reaching out to your representatives on the municipal level. So it's really important to be engaged. And Boston systematically has a very low turnout. And then people wonder, or they complain. Really, it's about complaining. They kvetch, they kvetch, they kvetch, they rant about the representation that we have. And it's like, well, did you get out and vote? You didn't, did you? Or did you help people? Did you did you help candidates that you thought were viable, that you thought were good, that you thought would be competent, that you thought would be a good fit for the office for which they, they were running? And most of the time you're met with a no at one point. And so I feel like right now um, I'm at a point where when I speak, again, I, I still want to use tact and diplomacy, but there is most definitely a certain amount of frustration and anger that I think comes through. And I, I want to be constructive because I think at the base, I am an optimistic person. And even if I'm upset or unhappy about something, I try to channel that positively. So I, I try to take action that is going to hopefully yield positive results, um, desirable results. But yes, I feel like the time has come for me to be more candid than usual. Uh, I really must go back to the example of Kendra Lara. And so there are a lot of people who want to force her into resigning. And I think that's really, really, really wrong. That actually angers me. That disgusts me even. And so a lot of people might be quite surprised to hear me say that. But just hear me out. There was an election. Kendra Lara wasn't appointed. She was elected. And so people, even if they couldn't vote in the District 6 race for the, uh, for the Boston City Council in 2021, they certainly could donate, whether it was time or money or both, to the two other candidates that were running. 
And then, of course, it was, you know, uh, it was Winnie uh, Eke, and then it was, you know, obviously Kendra Lara, you know, who's now the incumbent. Uh, and it was, and then there was Mary Tamer. Mary and Kendra advanced to uh, November, and at the risk of belaboring points or beat flogging a dead horse or sounding like a broken record. Kendra Lara has never hit, she has never hidden who and what she is. She's always been very upfront about her beliefs. I don't know if that is down to her being an honest democratic socialist, honest insofar as she believes what she says. It comes from when she speaks, it comes from a place of conviction. Or it's it's a matter of she feels comfortable enough going or moving that far to the left or 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 being on the far left. Because, you know, the people that are willing to give her money, that's where they are as well. I just, I I don't know. But I think that ultimately I'm going to lean toward, I'm going to lean toward Kendra Lara honestly believing what she says. And I think the reason why is because there has been a consistency there has been a consistency in what Lara has said, her positions on different issues. I haven't seen too much deviation. And, you know, this is, this is like going back however many years. So I, I think that it does come from a place of conviction. She might feel comfortable in... Embracing certain positions because it's become more acceptable to be on the far left here in Boston, and you stand a chance, a good chance, depending on where you are and, and your backing and who you're running against of getting elected. But yeah, I think it's, I think it comes from a place of conviction. Yet, despite her positions, despite what she, you know, her statements, her announcements, people still couldn't mobilize for Mary Tamer. They couldn't. And, you know, I've said this now however many times on on the radio. I've said it on television. Because it's something that really does bother me. If I wanted to, and I've said this before, if I wanted to, I could really embarrass certain people. I asked one person who's very active politically, who lives in West Roxbury, I asked this individual, could you phone bank for Mary? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Not, not, not on... You know, this day, but you know, maybe I could 
do it on on that day, this day, or you know, she was kind of like, yeah, not here, not 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 now, but later. Yeah, and I just I'm listening, you know, I'm engaging with this individual, and and I'm saying to myself, okay, just say you don't want to do it, and it and and it was nothing personal against Mary, it really wasn't. It wasn't personal at all. It was just a matter of this person didn't care enough to help out. But like so many other people now, this this person is furious about Kendra Lara, is very unhappy about the representation. And I'm going to play the pronoun game. I'm going to say that he, she has. <laughs> uh, I'll say I'll say he used generically that he has, and that's too bad. That's too bad. And the idea that people can force Kendra to resign. Look, people have options. If people don't like a particular or an individual doesn't like a particular candidate, then they, you know, a person or people can find someone to, or several someones to run against an incumbent. Right? There, there's an opportunity to make one's voice heard. There's an opportunity to try to secure the representation that one would like. Now, if one doesn't want to participate and then complain afterwards, I don't really have time for those people anymore. Don't get me wrong. Mary Tama had a lot of support. She did. But given that Kendra Lara had started campaigning very early, she had a lot of name recognition. She had built up name recognition. And Laura is a strong personality. And so Mary didn't get involved. I wouldn't say Mary got into the race late, but she got in later than Kendra Laura. So she had some ground to make up. And I think Mary ran a very good campaign. And again, she had a lot of support. But I think that it would have been very helpful if people really came out in force. I think, I think there should have been a greater number of people. So, although Mary had a lot of support, again, I think she, I think there, there should have been more people. Good candidate ran a great campaign. Good staff had a great message from the community, all about the community, and people just couldn't mobilize. They couldn't be bothered. They were lazy. They were apathetic. And now they're upset. And that's really unacceptable to me. It really is. And for some of those people to be some of the ones who make up the chorus of those who are chanting, resign, resign, resign. Where do they get off? Again, get out and vote. Help candidates that are good. 
hold signs, show up at events, talk to friends about candidates, make phone calls. If money can be spared, donate. Attend standouts, uh, yeah, hold signs, uh, you know, knock doors. There's just so many things that one can do. Maybe one's plate is full. It's, I mean, certainly um, when I helped, when I volunteered, I, I helped Mary Tame, I did, uh, not nearly as much as I would have liked, but I was able to do some door knocking with her team. And I was able to do some, you know, I was able to do lit drop, a lit drop. In fact, that's what I was doing on election day. And election night, I was with Mary Tamer's campaign in West Roxbury, in the West Roxbury uh, neighborhood of District 6, a part of District 6. And I just, you know, I I remember... (laughs) all the different things that I needed to do for myself. Um, My plate was very full at the time, but I just, I believed in Mary so much. I just, I really thought she was terrific. If you meet her, you can't help but think that she's, she's just so lovely and graceful. And I'm always saying, oh, you're so chic. You're so chic. (laughs) And she is. She's just lovely and very uh, dignified. And I'm sorry she's not on the council. But I'm equally sorry that people couldn't mobilize, more people, I should say, mobilize for her. I mean, telling Kendra Lara that she should resign, even if one is bitterly opposed to Kendra Lara, and I'm certainly no fan of Kendra Lara for for a variety of reasons, even if I'm not likely to agree with her supporters on a number of issues, which is the case, those people who supported, the people who supported her, they prevailed. They prevailed in that race. People who are not happy with Kendra Lara, in my opinion, do not have the right to override what happened in the election. They just simply do not. What they can do now is mobilize and work to get someone else selected. Think about it. If if all we had to do was put together a campaign where a politician or politicians were targeted and forced them, bully them into resigning. Just think what, what the impact that that would have on our democracy. I mean, what impact that would have on the democratic process. Think about it. It's actually alarming if you think about it. I don't have a right to override the majority of the people who came out and voted. I felt 
very sad on that night, but I was happy and very grateful that Mary ran, that she gave people an option, that she gave people a reason to believe in the possibilities for the Boston City Council, because I'll say this, the Boston City Council is only as capable, it's only as dynamic, it's only as effective as its members. And so the idea, the possibility of Mary being on the council, you know, I said, my gosh, so much could get done. Her presence would really lend itself to, I think, people being uh, proactive and, and, and creative and collaborative. But again, she didn't win. And I spent part of my childhood in District 6. I lived in West Roxbury. So if I lived, if I still lived there, I wouldn't feel any more entitled to overriding the people that came out and supported Kendra Lara. Have to be very careful because if campaigns to target people can be done, they can be directed against people whom we don't like. It can also work that there can be campaigns that target people whom we do like. Again, think about the impact, the very much adverse impact that it could have on the democratic process. We just, we can't have that. And I think that, you know, a lot of this, the mobilization against Kendallara now, it's, I think that some of the people who are working to oust her from the council, it's, it's political, but not political as in, Get out and vote. It's political as in people not liking her, people not being able to work with her because she's not going to move the way they want her to move. She's not going to move with them. And so, of course, I'm talking about not necessarily in saying this, uh, you know, the average voter such as, you know, myself or you, I'm talking about, you know, one of her colleagues, one of her fellow freshman colleagues, for instance. Gee, who could I be speaking about? Uh, I think that you have to let the decisions, decisions like this be made at the ballot box. I really do. And so that leads me to Arroyo. Okay, uh, Ricardo, I almost said Felix. Ricardo Arroyo. Uh, Felix, of course, being um, the father's name as well as one of Ricardo's brothers. Um, You know, there is quite an orchestrated campaign to get 
were Carter out of office. And I, I resent that campaign, too, because people, if they want, they can come away from this show and say, ah, Rachel supports Kendra Lara and she supports Ricardo Arroyo. No, I support the democratic process. I also support authenticity. So let me explain that point further. I don't like hypocrites. And a lot of people were perfectly fine with Ricardo for a very long time until they weren't. Until it was decided by this person or that person that Ricardo was no good, that Ricardo was not ethical, that Ricardo was corrupt, that Ricardo was inefficient, that Ricardo was arrogant, that Ricardo... It was just... It was all of a sudden. And it really was, because don't tell me it's been... This outcry has been all along, because it hasn't. And some of the people that are leading the charge... Some of the people that are leading the charge, these people had no problem with Ricardo before. And the things that they're saying about him now, terrible. Now, does someone want to walk away from the show and say, oh, so you're saying that he never said this, he never did that? I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that people are being hypocritical. What I'm saying is that the maneuvers that we're seeing, because that's what we're seeing, to get him off the council and to get someone else elected in that place, this is political. Not as in, again, get out and vote, make your voice heard. It's political as in, personalities, agendas. I mean, (laughs) that's why politics with a capital P, after all, is such a murky, soupy, toxic, (laughs) sometimes disturbing and or alarming arena because politics with a small P can just get so nasty. And I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think people, anything that Ricardo may have said or done, I don't think some of his loudest critics are actually upset about that. I think they're more upset because Ricardo represents, he is an obstacle in the way of certain people advancing their own agenda. And of course, with all this fighting and all these, you know, back and forths and finger pointing, you know, whether it's among people at City Hall, on the council, uh, other people who work in City Hall, activists that are well-known, 
Uh, it's it's just it's all it's all unfortunate because it creates a magnificent distraction from the issues. And so people who are elected to do the job at the municipal level, which again is so very important, they can get away with just running down a list of talking points, which of course at this at this stage is completely unacceptable. I'm going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the importance of municipal elections, the importance of knowing what's going on in your own neighborhood. But we are, of course, going to talk a little bit about the Massachusetts Republican Party because there's a lot to talk about there. But let's go to that quick break. People won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, can potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good, because every year dozens of children are forgotten in the back seat. Cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Are our love bugs and companions? They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. You are listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is, of course, Boston's community radio station. So, you know, I've been talking a lot about how people, if they don't know what's going on around them, if they don't know what's going on, next door, in their own backyard. Why are they talking about Biden? No, really. If you don't, if if you can't articulate what's in front of your nose, why are you talking about Biden? It all starts locally. It really, truly does. And so I was talking about an individual who couldn't get involved, couldn't get motivated enough to help out in one of the district races in 2021, but now has a lot to say about the person who won. And of course, none of it's good. Um, For people who are just tuning in, this person was like, yeah, no, I can't, I can't, I can't make phone calls on this day. Maybe that day uh, I can do this, but I can't do that. Uh, maybe I can do these, but I can't do those. Uh, yeah, the, the, the. yeah I, it's just, I just listened. I listened politely. I think now 
if I were met with that response, I would say, you know what, just say you don't want to do it. Just tell me that and I'll be fine. But then if I hear you complain about the results, should they not go well, I am going to say something to you. I expect me, fully expect me to say something to you, and I guarantee that you will not be pleased with what you hear. I mean, I think that's where I'm at right now. That's what I would probably say. But I want people to be really uh, tuned in to what goes on locally. It's it's important. It's so funny, too, because I think that if more people, if the people were concerned about what goes on locally, then maybe more of our municipal elected voices would be concerned about what goes on locally because you have some of our city councilors here in Boston and they want to talk about all kinds of different things. It's so funny, like Erin Murphy, she she squeaked in, squeaked in. She bested David Halbert by what? Seven, uh, no, about 200 votes. Maybe it was more than that, but I don't think so. I think it was like 200 some votes. At any rate, uh, she didn't, she didn't best him by much. And, you know, in her first term, she's, she's talking about working with this member of Congress. She's talking about promoting, I don't know, what was she talking about? Let's say it was peace, which is kind of ironic, right? Her promoting peace. Uh, <laughs> all the tr- little troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> big troublemaker. <laughs> She's talking about promoting peace. Let's say it was peace. I, it might have been something along those lines. And, you know, oh, you know, t- promoting it here in Boston and, 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 and beyond, you know, beyond that. And it's just like, can you just focus on the city of Boston? Like, and, and not talk in generalities and not discuss notions and, and, and vague concepts? Can you talk about what's going on here in Boston? in concrete terms it's it's just very frustrating you often see but it's not just Erin Murphy you you often see a lot of city councilors and it's not just with this current class if I can phrase it like that um, it's it's been this way for a few years now where you have counselors and they're talking about national issues or international issues. And that's all fine and well. I mean, it's actually, it can be a desirable thing if you have a municipal elected official that is well-read and well-versed in in issues on state and national and international level. Uh, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It becomes an issue if the person doesn't really know what he or she's talking about on a local level and a person, that person is actually elected to operate and function and represent a constituency at the local level, that's when it becomes a problem. So 
we had, uh, going back a few years, uh, Ayanna Presley. Ayanna Presley was talking about things on national level. And it's like, can you please talk about what's going on here? And the first tip-off that she wasn't going to do anything when she got to D.C. was when she actually stood up to run against Capuano. And I, just for the record, I still like Mike. <laughs> I still like Mike Capuano. Mike Capuano is a very smart man, very accomplished man. He was effective. He delivered to his constituency. He was responsive. He was very savvy, very shrewd. And we threw him over for Ayanna Presley. It's it's really it's it's hard to believe, and quite frankly, that she even stood up to run against him was it was I think almost offensive, really. But you know, we've long ago let people really stand up run for the Boston City Council, and really, quite frankly, disrespect the city of Boston's legislative body. And we've let people, we've let candidates disrespect it by allowing people who don't know the issues, who don't speak to the issues, and who show no desire of wanting to speak to the issues in any kind of intelligent or knowledgeable way, we've just let them skate. We haven't probed. We haven't asked questions. I'm not talking about being aggressive or hostile. I'm talking about asking questions. This, this is accountability. That's what this is. I mean, people, I don't care what level of government we're, we're talking about. If someone is elected to an office, that person has to be held accountable. But again, just like we've allowed people to run for the Boston City Council here in Boston without knowing the city or the people or the issues or a combination of the above, or all of the above, uh, we've also allowed people to run for the city council and then have let them act. And we've allowed them to believe that they shouldn't be held accountable, that they don't need to be held accountable, that accountability is for punks. And then we wonder why we have the representation that we currently do. We wonder why the Boston City Council is now, it's, it's been mocked on a national level. And we wonder why. And just so we're clear, I have not deviated from my position that if it weren't for Council President Edward Flynn, Boston City Councilor at Large uh, Michael Flaherty and Boston City Council uh, Councilor Frank Baker of District 3, if it weren't for those three men, they are ca- 
carrying the Boston City Council on their backs, if it weren't for them, woo, we'd be in free fall. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there's some talent on the council, but these men really, really, really know the constituencies that they represent. And I think that Frank Baker actually knows the city, even though he's a district counselor. I think he knows the city very, very well, actually. Um, But, you know, there's certainly talent on the council. I think that Brian Worrell, uh, I quite like him. I think he's hardworking. I think he's earnest. He has earned my respect, and I think he's a gentleman. I actually supported a friend who ran for that seat, and uh, I think my friend would have done a great, wonderful, fabulous, terrific job. But Worrell uh, is is doing a good job. He is acquitting himself well. And he has certainly earned my respect, and I think he's a gentleman. And I think speaking more broadly, I think that ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) they're in a painfully short supply in the political world, not just in Boston, not just in Massachusetts, not just nationally, but internationally. So it's just, you know, politics, you know, jumping into the political arena is certainly a way to get things done and to affect positive change. Having said that, uh, the political arena attracts a lot of people that are not necessarily very pleasant. But Brian Worrell, uh, Worrell, he's, uh, excuse me, he's very, um, he's, he's, I think he's great. I, I do. I think he has a lot of potential I think he's smart, and I think he's earnest. And there is, I'm going to use the word authenticity. I think that, I think he he walks, if I can, if I can say it like this, I think he walks with authenticity. He's a good guy, really. Um, but the three men that I named, the three counselors, They just really, they have so much knowledge and so much experience, and they also have kept above the fray. And I know what a lot of people are thinking, well, Frank Baker, you know, he's he's had some outbursts. I think that in Boston, there is room for people to be expressive. There has always been room for people to be expressive. There's always been room for as conservative as we are, and and that might shock a lot of people, but we actually are a very conservative city. The problem is, is that over the years, we've had an increasing amount of people who are progressive move in, and they mobilize. The conservatives stay at home. They want to get posts shared on social media. They'll complain, they'll rant, but the progressives, they mobilize. The conservatives allow other people to tell them where they can go and what they're all about. The progressives are like, this is who we are, and we'll go anywhere. Conservatives, don't get me wrong, there's some conservatives who don't ascribe uh, to, to the profile, who don't fit that profile that I just described, and, and they're great, and they're wonderful, and they and they <laughs> they they hold it down. 
um, you know, but there, there, there are a lot of other progress. Uh, I'm sorry, conservatives who I, I don't know. I think I think they're most comfortable in the echo t- uh, chamber. They don't really <laughs> do a whole lot, uh, but just rant and and look for likes and shares and you know cyber slaps on the back. <laughs> um, and then you have some conservatives, and and you know they're great too, but it's just they don't might they they don't necessarily know where to begin, or they might not necessarily feel as comfortable being outspoken. But I think that there is a greater number of progressives, people on the political left, that will not hesitate to be vocal, and not hesitate to show up, and not hesitate to push for the changes that they want to see. And I think more conservatives need to do that as well. It's it's not about, oh, that's a progressive thing. No, it's it it's it's a people thing. Like if you want change, you gotta you gotta you gotta make moves for it, right? Um but it's 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 the progressives who've been the ones to to work toward that. Whereas I think we've had more conservatives be complacent and we got to, you know, I say we because I'm obviously I'm a conservative. Those of you who've listened to me long enough know that. Um, we, we have to shake off our complacency and we have to be vocal and we have to say, well, this is what we want and we are here and you need to listen to us. Uh, it's not an option. And these are our needs and, and these are our concerns. I mean, we have to be better at articulating that and 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 laboring toward the goals that we think are going to help assuage our concerns. It's, it's as simple as that. So, yes. Municipally, you need to know what's going on. And I would even say that not just in your neighborhood. You need to know what's going on in the city. No one's suggesting, I'm certainly not suggesting being an expert, but I think it's very important to be just knowledgeable and informed and well-versed in the issues. And it starts locally. Remember that. But did Tip O'Neill say all politics is local? He wasn't wrong. (laughs) So let me let me devote the last few minutes to my party, the Massachusetts Republican Party. The Massachusetts Republican Party, when Jim Lyons was ousted as chair, there were some people who, quite frankly, did not have the guts to stand up to him when he was in office. And then when there were moves that were made to engineer his exit, then these people got really loud. And when Amy Carnavale, the current chair, she claimed victory, there were some people who were, I mean, I'm sure there were some people who were literally 
popping champagne, like, oh, you know, breaking open the champagne. Um, but th- there were people who were doing it figuratively. And I said to myself, you know what? <laughs> what year is this? I said to myself, y'all better be careful because 2024 is not that far off. And I mean, all Jim Lyons has to do is get enough of his people elected to the state committee. And <laughs> he's what? He's 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 back. He's you know, he's back. Um, he's he's back on the saddle. And I don't think that would be a good thing. I think that Jim Lyons had an opportunity. I think he had a wonderful, tremendous opportunity to do a lot of good. And I want to make it very clear that when Jim Lyons won, he claimed victory when he first won. I said, well, I'm going to give Jim Lyons a chance. And I am going to work with Jim Lyons. And I remember going to the Massachusetts Republican Party headquarters when it was still on Merrimack Street. And and really, there was absolutely no excuse for Jim Lyons moving it from Merrimack Street. I mean, really, just one of the many things that he did. And some people might say, well, it's head-scratching, isn't it? No, it's not head-scratching. He did what was convenient for him, what worked for him. The people, to heck with them, the people be damned. But anyway, when the Massachusetts Republican Party was still on Merrimack Street in Boston, I remember going there and I spoke with one of the staff, Wendy Wakeman, and I showed her a needle filled with heroin. And I was very upset. And I said, you know what? There are children that are finding this, that, that see this on the, in the playground. So we can't have this. I wanted the Massachusetts Republican Party to really get involved with the issue of drugs and how they are flowing into Boston and the the domino the devastating domino effect that it's having how it's impacting our quality of life in terms of safety in terms of even longevity <laughs> of life, uh, how it's impacting our pocketbooks, how it's impacting the housing crisis that we have, how it's exacerbating it, how it's worsening it. Uh, it's just, I wanted the Massachusetts Republican Party to stand up and say, all right, it, it, enough of this lunacy We have to have not only secure borders in this country, but we also can't just 
have all kinds of people flowing in. We want to be welcoming. We want to be compassionate. No one's suggesting otherwise. But there's only so many, as as resource-rich as Boston is, as resource-rich as Massachusetts is, there's only so much to go around. And we can't just keep on taking in people, especially when we don't have plans in place. Now, presumably, possibly, if we had, if we planned, if we made accommodations, if we made considerations, that would be one thing. But we're just accepting all kinds of people. And and I'm not just talking about what is the new term, migrants? It's, <laughs> look, if we're talking about aliens, legal aliens, well, that's a difficult situation too. But if we're talking about illegal aliens, <laughs> we can't we can't just have people come in. We need to know who's here. We need to be able certainly be able to plan. And we have to and this is going to sound harsh to a lot of people, but we have to think about the people who were here first. We have to think about the people who are from here. The people who are permanent residents. The people who are here legally, we have to think about them first. But I'm not also just thinking about that. I'm also thinking about, you know, when I when I think more about drugs, the idea is we can't just have all these people coming into Massachusetts because, oh, you know, you just come into Massachusetts and Massachusetts, you'll get all the help you need and all the benefits. We just can't. And I wanted the Massachusetts Republican Party to take a stand. And instead, Jim Lyons just went about trying to turn the Massachusetts Republican Party into his own vanity vehicle. He tried to make the Massachusetts Republican Party the Jim Lyons Party. We can't have that. The Massachusetts Republican Party, and I'll say this on a quick last note, and I'll pick up with this this point next week, is always going to be bigger, whether we're talking national level or state level. It's always going to be much bigger than any one personality or any several personalities. On that note, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617 708 3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.